Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. It has the Aaron's uh, rod that budded. It had manna, right? So that's all prophetic to us today. Now look, and so they played music before the Lord and all kinds of instruments of fur. Please hear this because this story is the crux of where I'm going to, going to today. They played harps. In other words, they were worshiping. They were supposed to worship. The ark is coming. They're celebrating, right? On strings, instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. Verse 6. And when they came to Natron's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. Now, I want you to think of this, all right? I want to read it slow again because you're not going to understand it now, but you will understand it later. Why did Uzzah do that? A lot of people... A lot of people say, well, because the ark, the ark was falling. But why Uzzah? Why was it Uzzah? I want to address that. Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen stumbled. In other words, the ox, I mean, the, the, the ark was on some ox, which it was, shouldn't be on that in the first place. And so it stumbled. And in his, in his desire for the ark not to fall... He put, it, he put his hand on it so it won't fall for the oxen stumbles. So it kind of was a good deed, right? Verse 7, then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. Say error. error. Say error. error. There's a Hebrew connotation for that word that I'm going to share with you. And he died there by the ark of God. Verse 8, and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez. We talked about Perez last week. Outbreak against Uzzah to this day. Now look at me, look at me, look at me. So why am I highlighting this story at the beginning of our, my message this morning? Because I want to share with you what I believe there's some principles that we can learn from this story. If we looked at some historical backgrounds some, and some, some actual facts of what led to this point where Uzzah was doing something supposedly good, touched the ark from falling, and then the Lord got angry with him and slew him. Now, yeah, now there's, there's a lot of things that we could go into, but here's what I want to share with you for just a quick second. So uh, the ark of God is, again, symbolic of the glory of God, the presence of God. Come on, say amen. The, the essence of who he is. The ark of God is symbolic even now as the presence of God, the glory of God, the manifestation of his spirit, the word of God, right? Okay, so why do I say that? Because I'm, I'm wondering if in the American church today, I'm going to preach a little bit and then teach if that's okay with you. If we are uh, being casual with the word of God and casual with worship and casual with the presence and the glory of God, that we feel uh, we have come so accustomed and comfortable to God being in a certain place that we show up 15 minutes late or we worship a certain way. And we are used to the presence of the Lord being in a certain environment and we have become familiar and we have become casual with the things of God so that we no longer reverence when he's here. Now wait, now wait, now wait. 
Now, what would you say? Are you saying, Pastor George, that's not me. I'm not saying that's all of you. What I am saying is the presence of God is what changes people's lives. It's the glory of God. I could do a lot of worldly methods to pack this place out to try to duplicate the presence of God. Just because there's a packed out church doesn't mean the church is filled with the presence of God. Let me just say this, just because you're saved and have the Holy Spirit inside of you doesn't mean you have the same measure of the presence of God that someone else that's seeking God does. No, there is measures. It's, 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 it's about how far do you want to go with God. Some of you, we have the Holy Spirit, but we are dry as a doornail because we have not sought God with urgency, with fervency, or with reverence in a while. And I think one of the, the, the tragedies that could happen in American church is when we don't take God for who he is and we become, watch this, casual. In our convictions, casual when we worship. If we, if we just go by facial expressions, which we're not because God looks at the heart, but sometimes our facial expression is an indicator of what's happening in our heart. I, if I'm happy, I can express it like this. I'm so filled with joy right now. I have ecstasy of joy filling my heart right now. It is overwhelming. Your facial expression, now you're trying to get religious on me, but your facial expression, oh, God knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart. But you express it through your, through your face, through your words, because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. So there's a degree of if God is here and we believe that, why are we not all going urgently hungry after this God? Why are we just kind of sitting around saying, oh, there's God over there. Oh, there's God at RCC. Let's just do our ritual routine and we become casual. Now, why do I highlight this when it comes to Uzzah? I'm glad you asked. Because so many people, when they preach this, they said, well, it wasn't supposed to be on the, the, on, a, on a oxen or on a cart, which you're right. It was supposed to be on the shoulders of the Levites, which I'm going to address that in a little bit. But let me just tell you that there was more reason. Now, now let, me, let me just pause and say this. Up until the point that Uzzah touched the ark, it was still on oxen and nothing happened. So, like, the Lord kind of allowed it to that point. When the, when the ark fell or started falling and Uzzah touched it and Uzzah touched it, then the wrath of God came. Now, why do I say that? The reason why I highlight this is because we've got to know. We've got to, to know how to properly recognize and honor the presence of God, or else we may become accustomed or used to him. Look at that first point. First point. First point. The first graphic. We've got to know. You can take a picture of this. How to properly recognize, watch this, and honor. Everybody say honor. Oh, man. I just could preach another hour on honor. Do we have a culture? Can I, can I be just transparent with us? We're family, right? And, and this is just a question. Do we have a culture of honor in the presence of God? Now, the reason why, is, did you get that? There's, there's somebody that needs to move their car. Uh, you got it? Okay. We've got to know how to properly recognize and honor the presence of God or else we may become accustomed. Now, everybody say honor. honor. Say honor again. Honor. One more time, say honor. honor. Do we have a culture of honor in our lives do we have a culture of honor when it at RCC when it comes to the presence of God? I believe we do in a measure. 
Do we have the culture of honor when it comes to our marriages? Don't look at me. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking at down. I'm looking down. I'm looking down. <laughs> what is honor? It's not just tone of voice. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Whatever you honor, you will attract. Whatever you dishonor will move away. Whatever you honor, you will attract. But whatever you dishonor can be cut off soon. And I'm not saying that God is going to forsake you, but I am saying this. If you don't honor the Lord in your finances, how will you expect the Lord to bring a reaping to you? If you don't honor the Lord with your lifestyle, do you think you're just going to get all the blessings and the favor of the Lord that someone who's living righteously is? Listen, God is going to pour out his spirit to those who are hungry and those who are thirsty and those who are obedient. It doesn't mean he loves you more than the other person, but you will receive more. You better believe that. You better believe that. Mike Bickle said something years ago that changed my life. He said, if you posture your heart in the things of God and you seek to please him, God will release more. He doesn't love you more, but you will receive more. We have the capacity. Now, watch this. Why do I say all this? This is going to be this. I just give you this. This, this is just the appetizer. Now I'm going to give you the meal. Why am I talking about casual? Everybody say casual. Why am I talking about that when it comes to Uzzah? We've all been trained. Well, Uzzah, you know, wasn't supposed to touch the ark. But the reason why that happened was because it, it wasn't supposed to be on oxen, which is true. But that's not the reason why the Lord struck Uzzah, because they were already on, ox, on oxen. The reason, are you ready for this, is because, and I'm going to show you in Scripture. The Lord gave me this revelation years ago, and the Lord just re-brought it back again. Because the ark of the Lord was in Abinadab's house for 20 years. 20 years, and guess who is one of the sons of Abinadab. Ohio, whatever, Ohio. <laughs> and Uzzah. Uzzah is one of the sons of Abinadab, and the ark was in the house. Oh my God. The ark of God, the glory of God, was in Abinadab's house for 20 years. Let me just, you don't believe me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to 1 Samuel chapter 7. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to give you a Bible lesson today, and I'm going to realize why this casualness has to escape our Christianity. Oh, yeah. It's casual with our attitude, casual with our fervency, casual with our mouth, casual with our lack of pursuing the Lord. Let me tell you, you can do the bare minimum to survive, but you're not going to live a blessed life here. Can I just be honest with you? The Bible says, store up treasures in heaven. Oh, store up. Store up. What? How, many, how many store things up for Christmas? You do, you do it before Christmas. Oh. You do. It's not Christmas yet, but in June you're storing up gifts because when Christmas comes, you want to have gifts. When you store up things in heaven is how you're living here on earth. How you honor God in here on earth, you're storing up. I don't even want to go there, but there's a day of reward. Oh, I don't into rewards. Then you don't know the God of the Bible. Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward. It's in my hand. So watch this. Watch for Samuel. Then, this is before, this is before, this is 20 years ago. Then the men of 
Kirath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it out, brought it into, huh? Into the house of Abinadab. Watch this, watch this. On the hill, it's the same one. Remember I talked about the hill earlier? That, that was the same one. They make sure it said, hey, it's not a different Abinadab, it's the one on the hill. And brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eliezer, one of his sons, to keep the ark of the Lord. So Abinadab, watch verse, verse 2, and then I'm going to share what's on my heart. So it was that the ark remained in that province, Kirjath, Jerim, a long time, in that province, but in the house of Abinadab. And it was there, shout at me, how many, how many, how many? So I'm not just making this up. He, it was in the house of Abinadab for 20 years. Oh, my God. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Now, why, why am I sharing this? Because I want you to look up. I looked up the word casual. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready. The word casual means, and I highlighted it. It's not going to be on the screen. You can find this in the Webster Dictionary, by the way. Just go to WebsterDictionary.com, or if you have the app, have the app. This is a worldly definition of uh, casual, all right? Occurring without regularity. In other words, once in a while. You're not getting me. I'm coming once in a while, not dwelling. He who dwells in the secret place, not he who comes once in a while, shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, I'm trying to. <laughs> look, look. I'm reading, it. I'm reading it from the dictionary. This is another definition for casual. Feeling or showing little concern. Word for word. Nonchalant. Lacking a high degree of interest or devotion. Now watch this last one. I just, I just about cried on this one. I, the, Lord, the Lord uses Webster's Dictionary. The last definition, reading word for word from the Webster Dictionary of casual, done without serious intent or commitment. Done without serious intent or commitment. Now, why, why do I say this? Let's go in an imaginary imaginatory journey the glory of God is in your house the, the and listen they heard the stories it wasn't like they were ignorant they saw they knew what happened with the Egyptians they knew the power of the ark of God they knew the they were Hebrew they knew the custom this is God representing at this Old Testament this is the the centrality of the glory of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the, that the ark was in the Holy of Holies and only the high priest once a year was able to come and make atonement. So watch. The, this same glory was in Abinadab's house. And one of the sons was Uzzah. And here's how I could imagine the first day. See, see, this is how it happens with you when you first get saved. You get saved, the glory of God hits you, and this is your reaction. The glory of God touched me. The presence of God is here. And you say, Jesus, and you just cry, and you're so sensitive, and you have the fear of the Lord. I'm going to say something in just a moment. You cannot have the glory of God without the fear of the Lord in your life. 
You can't, it's just impossible. Now watch, I want to prove that that's where the fear of the Lord escapes many people when we become familiar and casual with God. So, so all of a sudden, it, it, it came to, to like this. He came out of his room, and he's like, this is the ark. Could you imagine? This is the ark of God that has been with the Hebrews for, for years. It's in my house, the glory of God. And they could feel the house radiating with the glory of God. A couple years later, this is the glory of God. He's here. Yeah, I know he's here. I got to go to my baseball game. But yeah, man, the glory is here. It's powerful, man. Yeah, yeah. That, we mean the ark? Yeah, yeah, the ark is here. But I got to go. I got to go to my Hebrew baseball game over there and, 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 and get some cookies, whatever. Couple years, maybe five, ten years passed by. I'm just uh, um, giving an example. It, was, it, it, it went from this. He's here to he's here. Come on, I'm preaching to because that's exactly how the American church comes to church every single Sunday. He's here. He's here. The glory of God is here. The person of Jesus is here. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is here in the midst of us worshiping. He's physically here. The Bible says if you just have two or three, I'm here in the midst. And we show up. The glory of God. We've become accustomed to the glory and the presence of God in certain settings where he manifests himself in a powerful way. Oh, he's here. Let's hurry up with the worship. Let's hurry up with the message because God forbid you go past 12 o'clock and then it's a really bad church and you put Google comments. What's your Google comment on that? It's a, I love the worship. I love the word. But they take too long. What day have we become? Churches now have Google researches. I didn't like the pancakes that they did. I didn't like the bagels. I didn't like, the, are you kidding me? Guys, are you kidding me? This does not look like the, 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 the church of the Bible. What if Paul the Apostle rose from the dead and saw how we're complaining about our lack of bagels or the worship song or, the, or taking too long? He said, you better sit your butt down there because I, I walked for days just, I was blind for three days because the glory of God hit me. And somebody had to pray for me. And when they prayed for me, I encountered Jesus on that road. And I was changed forever. Don't tell me. Today, when we, get the, when we see the glory of God, we want to YouTube it. We want to put the film on it. Look, the glory of God. Look, the glory cloud. Look, everybody, take your cell phones out. Are you kidding me? But you know why we laugh? Because it has no, we do it all the time. And listen, if the glory of God really showed up in churches, I don't think we'll be standing. But we become, Uzzah. Here's my, here's my revelation. The reason why I believe Uzzah had such judgment on him was not because God was a mean God. It's because he got used to it. And the name Uzzah means strength. And the Bible says, be careful when you're strong, lest you. Have we become accustomed to the presence of God? Have we become accustomed to the word of God? Oh, there's Pastor George. He preaches pretty good. Or I hope, well, I'm going to say something that I feel in the spirit. This is not, I haven't heard it, but I hear it in my spirit. Uh, who's doing worship today? Because if Christina's not, I'm staying home. Who, who's preaching today? 
Well, if PG's not preaching, or if this person's not preaching, well, I'm going to stay home. I'm just going to watch home. I'm just going to watch. Or I may not watch at all, though, I because mean, I'm tired. I am concerned for the American church how we have treated the ark, the presence of the Lord, with such casualty, no urgency. If the preacher preaches good, then I'm coming back. But if not, because now it's not about the Lord. The Lord's like standing. I'm right here, whether the preacher's here or not. I want to meet you. And we've come accustomed to being casual. Say casual. Now watch this. You know that word error? Error, you know that word error? In one of the Hebrew translations of error, you know what that means? One of them, there's many. It means irreverence. The Lord struck him for his error. But it could read, the Lord struck him because of his irreverence. Irreverence is the fear of the Lord and an acknowledgement of his, of his holiness at all times of your life. I'm going to read this next point. One of the reasons why we are not obedient to the Lord, put that up there. One of the reasons spiritual apathy and the lack of, of obedience may, because, may be because of our familiarity with God. Here, look at me for a second. What do I mean by familiarity or casualness? Is sometimes we actually take his goodness and because he's so good, we get used to that. And we don't realize that, hey, He's good. He's going to for, forsake. Uh, he's not going to address those things because I'm, I'm this, I'm that. Let me tell you something. One of the reasons for spiritual apathy and a lack of obedience is because we become casual with God. Why? Because we love his mercy. We love his grace. And he's so good to us that, watch this, watch this. He understands that I work. He understands. He understands why I can't come to the house of the Lord and to the community. He understands all that. He understands that I'm tired. Yeah, he also understands that he was on the cross and could have gone out, and he didn't. And he also understands that he could have sent angels to stop the, 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 the torture, but he didn't. Because we got to move from feelings to faith when it comes to our obedience to God. Even if you don't feel it, come with a heart of expectancy and say, watch this, say, say, I get to come, not I have to come, I get to come to the house of God to be with other believers because the presence of God is going to be manifested and I'm going to respond when his presence is here. The Lord wants us to respond with our worship, with our obedience, not he's here. I'm used to the ark. It's been in my house for 20 years. Some of us have been used to the ark of God spiritually. Used to his mercy, used to his grace, used, used to his, his faithfulness, and we stop being urgent in pursuing, in commitment. Remember what the definition of casually, ca casualness means? Is not having a, a, a consistent commitment to that. So I believe this is the problem and the dilemma in the body of Christ. I believe that this is happening because we become casual in our worship with the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. I'm going to say something. It's going to be in the next point, but I'm going to say it this way so you know. When we become casual with the presence of God and the word of God, the first thing that leaves our life, are you ready, is the fear of the Lord. Look at that next point. 
When we become casual with the presence of God and the word of God, the first thing that leaves our life is the fear of the Lord. Ask yourself, are we only a church that only focuses on the love of God? We need to have both. It's not either or. It's not, well, he's a God of love, yes, but he's also a God that has, uh, has eyes of fire. We do need to get back to reverencing the Lord. Not be afraid or scared of him, but we do need to reverence his presence and reverence the things of God again in our life. The, the, you know what the Bible says? The fear of the Lord makes us turn from evil. So it's fear of the Lord actually motivates us to not go to evil. So here, here's what I used to say years ago, and I'm going to say it again. The love of God says come. The fear of the Lord says run away from that thing. The love of the Father says come always. My arms are open. Come, 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 come. I said it before, I said it again, because there's new people. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. I'm not going to leave. If you really have an encounter with my presence... If you really, you know, this modern age gospel, well, you know, just come as you are. Yeah, come. I'm not against anybody that's coming that's off the street or, or living a real sinful life or just really uh, a debauchery and stuff. Come. But I guarantee you, if you collide with the glory and the presence of God, you're not going to stay the same. If, if you're open to receive him. That's a whole other topic. But the Lord says in his word that we have the capacity in our heart to resist him. Not overpower him. But we can resist him with all his glory, with all his magnificence, with all his beauty. We have a choice to say, I don't want that. I want my argument. I want this. I want a new this. I'm, I want justification. I want God. I'm mad at God because he hasn't done this for me. Right? And so I want you to see that. We become casual or accustomed to the word and the presence of God. The first thing that goes out the, of our lives is the fear of the Lord. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? Remember Peter we talked about when the lights went out here a couple weeks ago? Peter was afraid. He walked with Jesus every single day. He had friends that walked with Jesus. See, you can have friends with, that walk with Jesus every day and still become casual slowly in your heart. So what was the progression? Remember a lesson? He started walking at a distance. Then he sat among them and then he denied the Lord. It was a progression. He followed at a distance, then he sat with the world, and then he flat out denied him. If we become passive in our relationship with the Lord, we will open up ourselves to all kinds of trouble. Because the righteous take it by force. We need to be pursuers of the presence of God. We need to be raiders of the lost ark. In that movie, they went through all kinds of trials and tribulations to search for one item. They went through the darts and they went through the traps because they said, I got to get to the presence. I got to get to the ark. And that's a movie. How much more should Christians have a hunger to pursue the things of God? Ask yourself this. This is not in your, this is free, this is free. How is your hunger or pursuit to the things of God in your life? Where's your hunger level? Ask yourself. Now you say, well, I love God. I hunger for God. Your hunger is determined by what you pursue on a consistent basis. You're pursuing food on a consistent basis, you're hungering for that. If you're pursuing materialism, you're hungry, hungry for that. But if there's more of your life spent hungering for the presence of God, watch this, I'm going to pause here. Some of you are, are hungering for good things, but it's not the right thing. 
You're, you're hungering and going after your career and putting a pause button on your pursuit with God or your ministry. Now, now watch this. Are you enjoying this? Now watch. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 5. 20 years ago, the Philistines thought that they could be casual with the presence of God and the ark of God, just like Uzzah did. And the Philistines, oh, I love this, paid a heavy price. Say casual. They fought against Israel because of the judgment that was on Eli's house. That's a whole other story. So if you read the, the, the book of Samuel, you'll read, you'll read that the Lord brought judgment to Eli's house because Eli, again, did not pull his sons out of the priesthood, kept them on the priesthood while they were doing debauchery and even having all these things with the women at the, in, in the temple. That, that, that the Bible says all that. And Eli just kind of said, well, just don't do it again. A little slap on the arm. And never went further from there. The Lord brought judgment, okay? So I'm just giving you an example. So in that judgment, the, the result of that was they went to war. It's all in the Bible, so I'm not, this is all theologically correct. They, all, they went to war. Israel went to war. Israel, the one that always, the Lord was on their side. And because of these things, at that time, they fought the Philistines once, they lost. And they went, then, then they brought the ark out. The Bible says they brought the ark out of the place called Shiloh. So they brought it out, and everyone was, hey, the ark of God. But there was, there was a season that God was trying to release a lesson to the children of Israel. They went to the Philistines again, and they lost. 30,000 people died. And so the ark was captured by the Philistines, by the enemy. <laughs> I could preach. The enemy captured the ark and watch this watch what happens in first samuel i'm, I'm almost done here because i know i'm just trying to give you a bible lesson okay because we need to go back to fervency first samuel listen listen and if i could be honest as your pastor fervency not only in your heart but let what's burning in your heart overflow in your expression of worship you don't have to sing Musician like the Levites were when they corrected the whole thing and put the ark on the shoulder. All you have to do is align yourself with your identity as a lover of God. And as a lover of God, as a lover of God, we're all priests and kings to the Lord. As a lover of God, that identity positions, positions us to be that spiritual Levite. Why? Because our worship... Our praise, our singing doesn't have to be beautiful in our eyes, but it's beautiful in his eyes. You may make a joyful noise, but it's good for the Lord. Why do I say that? Because that's how you invoke the presence of God. How would you, watch this, this is coming to me now. Ladies or men, when you first walked down that aisle, listen, your heart was filled with, I've done so many weddings and I'm trying to put it together. I'm trying to hold it together where some of my, you know, spiritual sons or daughters or, or whatever are getting married. And I just see the, watch this, hear me now, the raw emotion of that moment of love. They're crying and they're, and they're shaking and they're looking at each other and they're weeping because the first time they're gone, they're going to marry. And they, and they remember the story and the struggle of how they got to that place. And all of a sudden, now it's the moment. And they're crying, and they're weeping, and they're so grateful. And then a couple of years happens, and that's my husband. That's my wife. We've become casual in that, our relationship. Why do I say that? Because spiritually, 
when we first got saved, it was like coming down that aisle. Look at Jesus. Look, I can't, I've never felt anything like this before. I've never felt so pure. I've never felt so clean. What is this that I'm feeling inside of me? And he's standing there smiling. And we come and we receive the Lord. And then a couple years later, we come to church. We have trials and tribulations and, and, and we have hidden sin in our life. Whatever you want it, fill in the blank for. And we come to the house of God and he's still there at the altar. And we're just like, our expression has definitely changed from the first time that we gave our life to the Lord. That's why in one of the seven churches, the Bible says, look, I know what you're doing. You're doing all these pretty good things. You're doing outreaches and you're doing all this. Look, I applaud you. You know, you're, you're going out and you're feeding the poor. Hey, good job. But I have one thing against you. And that one thing was a big, was a hammer. You've lost your first love. You could be doing good works for the Lord and lose your first love. I, 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 it's hard to believe, but I'm doing good works because your first love has become the ministry. Or your first love has become your calling. You know, we've idolized revival. I want revival. How about him? How about let's have more of him? Right? And if we have more of Jesus, we'll have more revival. But we idolize movements and we realize that we become casual. You know, lukewarm is just a hard word, but really, the, 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 the cool way to say that you're lukewarm in America is that it's just, you're living, you're casual about your, your Christianity. And I'm going to share this, and I'm going to close. I'm going to share this, and I'm going to close. Look, look what happened 20 years ago, all right? 20 years ago, the Philistines captured the ark. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. Look at this. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Oh, I love this. Watch this. When the Philistines took the ark, they were casual with the glory of God. They brought it into the house of Dagon. Oh, I love this. And set it by Dagon, an idol. Boy, that could, that's a whole other message right there. Put the glory of God versus the idol. <laughs> And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, I love this, there was Dagon falling on his face to the earth. Before, come on. Before the ark of God, it was like this. That false statue was bowing before the ark of God because the presence of God says, you're not going to stand against me. Can I preach a little bit? If you ever allow the glory of God to manifest in your heart, he'll drive out all the idols that are competing in your heart against him. He will drive out the idol of ministry, the idol of fitness, the idol of money. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the idol, the love of money. Bow before. Watch this. It doesn't stop there. And when the people of that shot arose in the morning, there was Dagon falling on his face. Look at verse 4. Verse four. They put it on his place again. And when they arose early the next morning, they put it back up. See, some of us, we don't get the picture. When the glory of God is trying to convict us and confront us of our idols, the Lord says, it's not me that's going to bow. It's you. And if you don't want to bow, you're going to start running away from me. You know why some people run away from God? Because they can't beat him. I always tell people, stop running from God. He's faster than you. <laughs> I mean, Jonah tried to run away from the, from the call of God and the presence of God. And God said, no, no. You could try to run, but you can't hide. 
And when they arose early in the next morning, I'm going to have the worship team come up. There was Dagon fallen on his face. Now, I love this, to the ground before the ark of the Lord. But this time, the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off and the threshold only, Dagon's torso, was left. I want the worship team to come up here. The good thing about the presence of God is that when you, com- when you, when you com- collide the glory and the presence of God with your lifestyle and you truly surrender, the first thing that he will confront, please listen to me, the first thing when you allow the presence of God, allow, everybody say allow, the presence of God to come invade in your life, the first thing that he will confront is the idols in your heart. They put this ark in front of an idol. And you guess what this idol was to them? Their main God, one of their main gods. And God goes, no, you shall have no other gods before me. I feel like running around this church. What are some of our idols? What are some of our idols? It's not statues anymore. TV, ministries, even our calling could be an idol. We focus so much time. Anything, what's an idol? Anything that, that takes the place from God being number one in your life is an idol. So what has taken, your marriage could be an idol. I remember years ago, this is the first time, years ago, I was so, you know, you, you, you're, you're so in love when, you're, you're, when you first get um, married, you're courting. And, and we're, I'm courting um, Janice. And, and, and you, know, you, you, know, you know that little fuzzy feeling that you have, right? When you're first courting, you're like, you're happy all the time. Like you go to bed, you wake up, you go to lunch. What's wrong? I'm, you're just in love, right? You're in love. And it's just this glow about you. And all of a sudden, I remember I was walking. I remember exactly the place where I was at. I was walking to a church service, and the Lord says, give me your, uh, give me your Isaac. I'm like, my Isaac? Yeah, I want your Isaac. Janice is your Isaac. And I want you to lay it at her at the altar. And I remember having to make that decision because behind the pulpit, I would never, as a preacher, say, I love Janice more than God. But can I tell you, it got to a point that by my actions and by my pursuit, by my time, I was pursuing her much more than I was pursuing God. Don't make me drop this mic right now. This is an expensive mic. Because you have that feeling that you've been waiting for all your life. And I wake up, Janice, and God's like, me. And I'm like, Janice. I called her bully, so it was, it was not Janice. A bully. Me. And I was in my pursuit of something good. Uza was trying to do something good. I had idols in my heart, and there was a couple of them. One of them was my, my fiance who became my wife. And the other one, I'm going to be transparent, was ministry. That became my idol. That became my mistress. Many preachers struggle with that. I just saw people going like this to, to husbands and wives. <laughs> Listen, if you're called to the ministry, guys, women, if you're called to full-time ministry, one of your biggest challenges is to keep your family first. God, family, then ministry. God, God is not ministry. God is God. Family, then ministry. And behind the pulpit, I will never, ever say, I love my wife more than I love God. But behind closed doors, that's exactly what I was saying. 
presence of God came and I and it had to bow before my idols had to bow for the presence of God and look at the last verse verse 5 therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor any who came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day he will deal with this he will deal with this now now watch this this is, I'm gonna close with this this is a one more scripture and I'm gonna close do you know that Dagon was half fish and half man statue right if you do the study now I'm not do, I'm not doing a biblical interpretation of Dagon right now view the American symbolism of Dagon okay are you ready for this are you sure are you sure are you sure the American the American symbolism of Dagon half fish half man fish is symbolic of Christianity this fish symbol Christianity or Christians man is symbolic of the work of the flesh man fleshly ways the worldly ways when you have <laughs> one foot with God fish and the other foot with man in the world we call it casual but God calls it lukewarm I, you're not you're not gonna get I'm just I'm just I'm not I'm not pointing any I'm closing my eyes we call it I'm going through something <laughs> we we call it I'm in a I'm in a dry season but if you have one foot with the worldly desires worldly methods and another foot with God the Lord doesn't um, doesn't not love you in that sense but the scripture says that in that day when he when we stand before the Lord he's gonna spit us out the lukewarm now I don't I know there's gonna be people in here that say don't focus on that I'm not focusing on that I'm trying to get us back from the casual Christianity to a fervent one again to God wants the presence of God wants you to place all your little Dagons and throw them out the window of your life and identify them because of God is coming the presence of God wants to be revealed in a deeper way in your life and he does not want you to stay in a level I'm not talking about exuberance or excitement that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about a burning heart again and Jesus walked with those two men and they didn't know it was Jesus the whole time he was talking their hearts were burning one last thing if your heart is burning truly and revived everywhere you go you'll be the perfume and the fragrance that God dispels through you but you have to get back from casual living and stop being spiritual oozas that have been used to the glory of God and start being a little kid again in the faith. God wants to relaunch your faith. The hardest people to minister to are the people that grew up in church. The, 
The hardest people to get sometimes a message through are those people that are theologians in the audience because they're they're dissecting and they say, I already know that, I already heard that, I've, I've experienced this in 20 years. Those are the hardest people. God doesn't want you to be on your own strength anymore. He doesn't want you to look up things to try to 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 get all these things in, in, in out of you or the or the excuses that you have. He wants you to come in. He wants you to come in with look, listen, listen, with all your experience, with all your knowledge, and with all your background, and cut and toss the crown to the feet of Jesus because the elders said we're not worthy and they toss their crown before the Lord it's time that we lay our experience to the side I don't care if you've been saved for 20 years or 15 years put that to the side and become a little kid again become born again again come on and you do that by a decision by saying I will respond to the presence of God I worship like a kid I will worship like when I first got saved I don't care what's going on I'm going to lift up my hands and I'm going to throw away the side I want to make an effort for me and my family to come to church every single Sunday and we're going to wake up and it's going to be hard but we're all going to come together oh come on come on stand up stand up to your feet release the spirit of the Lord release the spirit of the Lord come on come on come on are you hungry? Are you desperate? Come on, are you hungry? Come on, are you hungry? Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.